Hello and welcome to Magic is Real. I'm Shannon Torrance. I'm your host. I'm a psychic medium and I'm also a soul living in a human body. And today I have with me Aaron Thomas Green, who is a brilliant engineer living in Virginia, uh, where I have spent a lot of my time. And he is here to share with us the story of his early near-death experience, the insights that he's gleaned, and all about his spiritual journey. So welcome, Aaron, and thank you so much for taking time to be with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure. So let's start, Aaron, by your near-death experience happened when you were six years old. So yeah. normally I ask people, what was your life like before then? You were a kid, <laughs> but, but right. did you remember having any kind of spiritual beliefs or um, what kind of family did you grow up in? Anything you're comfortable sharing with what was happening in your life when this happened to you? Uh, sure. So uh, right now, you know, I, I work as an engineer. I'm, I'm married with three kids and, and a dog. Um, you know, I, I, I live a pretty normal suburban lifestyle as a, as a dad. Um, you know, my, my near-death experience happened when I was six years old or shortly before my sixth birthday. And, you know, at the time I was just a, a kid. Um, my parents, my mom's a nurse, my dad's a college professor. And, you know, we had a, a pretty, I guess, normal suburban lifestyle. Uh, I was playing with some friends in a uh, neighbor's backyard and, um, back back then we didn't have computers and uh cell phones and and uh tv and all that stuff so we just kind of roamed the neighborhood in large groups of children and um i was playing in the neighbor's backyard and for whatever reason i i couldn't breathe we we had been doing everything just having a good time and for some reason i couldn't take a breath i couldn't breathe no matter what i did um and as I struggled to breathe, I, I started walking away from my friends and trying to go back uh, to, to home. And as I was walking away, you know, something happened. This uh, breathing trouble triggered a uh, triggered my, my soul to leave my body. It, it, it wasn't like I passed out. I just straight left my body. And, you know, I, I was floating there and, and I could see my body fall to the ground. And it was it was obvious immediately that I was more than just this physical body that uh, I, I, I've been riding around in for for six years. And um, you know, I looked back at my friends and and everything that had been, that had been happening seemed that had seemed so important. Now it kind of seemed like trivial, like like completely unimportant. And almost immediately, my life flashed before me. I relived my entire life those six years in, in extreme detail. Um, only The only difference was not only did I re-experience everything that I had been through over those six years, but I could also uh, literally feel what my parents had been through, like what I had, uh, you, you know, how I had affected them. I could feel their, you know, their love, their frustrations, all of that during those six years. Um, and a couple of things really stood out. One was, you know, my, my mom, loved me and that really uh stood out as as like it was important like it like it really mattered uh like, like somehow it made a difference in the world that love that she had for me and then also i could feel my father's frustration of uh you know changing diapers having a crying baby 
um, those frustrations really like, like I could feel that. Um, and it, it really felt like those six years was um, very short. And like, I really hadn't done anything in six years of life. Uh, you know, six years, it felt like a, a really long time as a kid, but, but there as a, as a soul, you know, floating outside of my body, it didn't feel long at all. It felt, felt uh, extremely short. Anyway, um, when that was over, I, I noticed a bright light in the distance and I, I looked at the light and I knew that there was, I, I instinctively knew there was something really important about this light, but I didn't go towards it or anything. I didn't really uh, spend a lot of time uh, thinking about this light. I just shifted my attention back uh, to, to what I was doing floating there. And um, I, I started to have questions. I would question uh, what, had, what had happened or what was going on. And, and when I had a, a question, it was like an answer came to me very clearly. And oftentimes the answer would come in the form of a spiritual memory. It was, it was like a very detailed um, re-experiencing of something that I, I knew I had experienced prior to becoming Aaron. Um, prior to beginning this life. And, and one, of, one of the first questions I had was, um, what am I? You know, I, I knew I wasn't this physical body that I'd been living in. I knew I was fundamentally something different. And, um, you know, here, here on earth, we, we just see what, what's in front of us. But as a spirit, I could kind of see things in, a, in more detail and from a different perspective. I wasn't limited the way that we are in these bodies. And I could see like the entirety of my spiritual shape, what I look like in, in that form. And anyway, I uh, existed as, as a round orb of consciousness. Um, there was a faint light coming from within me, but um, to me at the time, it, it resembled kind of an egg, just a, a, a round orb, kind of, kind of simple looking, but uh, there was definitely a light coming from within that was that was noticeable, and that that seemed important. Um, anyway, once I realized that you know that's what I appeared like, I I started having further questions, and I wanted to know, you know, where did I where did I begin? Where did I start from? Um, I knew that Aaron Green, like that, that wasn't that wasn't my beginning. You know that I existed before that. And so this memory replayed something that I'd been through previously, but had forgotten. And I, I started out as a, um, a soul, kind of like that, that round orb with hundreds or thousands of other souls. We all existed together in this, in this happy place. Uh, it was like a, a sea of light. Um, it was very bright and we were all happy and content. We just existed with each other. And there was no problems and, and nothing could ever go wrong. We were, uh, we were happy and safe and, and content. And um, it was a, a nice, simple existence. And, and I knew that I had access to more uh, information and intelligence and that there was, uh, you know, uh, th there was more to my existence than just being that, that simple um, orb but I didn't have any reason to, to do anything or, or push my limits because we were all so content. We were just happy just to, to stay there forever. And periodically a, a, a gift would come down and there would be one for each of these souls. 
And to me, as, as a kid, thinking about it, I, I thought of it like a cookie. It was like a simple gift that everyone, everyone wanted. And we were all happy to get these gifts. Well, one time these gifts came down and there was one fewer gift than there were souls in this group. And I made the conscious decision that I was going to pass on this gift so that all those around me, that they could get a gift and, and enjoy that gift. And when the last gift came down and, and the last soul took it, I was very gently lifted up out of this, um, this sea of souls by a much, uh, a much stronger um, entity or, or mind. Um, it was obviously very powerful, but at the same time, extremely gentle and careful with, with how I was lifted out of this, this group. And um, it contacted me like mind-to-mind -mind communication. It, it wasn't verbal. It was like a direct link to my mind. And, and I could tell that it was a very powerful um, and very loving entity that was contacting me. And um, essentially, this entity said that it was God, or, that it was my creator. And I'll just call it God for simplicity's sake. And um, that what I had done was was very important that, you know, giving up something that I wanted to benefit those around me was really important. And it meant that I was ready uh, to begin some kind of process. And um, I was like, okay, I, I didn't, I didn't have any knowledge or experience. So I just accepted everything that, that God told me. And um, essentially, God said that there was a wonderful existence in store for me and for all these other souls. Um, but in order to really uh, fully appreciate what was in store for us, we needed to go through some kind of experience um, that would um, allow us to grow. And um, it would basically facilitate us becoming the kind of souls we needed to be so that we could enjoy uh, what God had in store for us. Uh, essentially, God, God was very loving and kind and compassionate and um, honest and, and nice, just, just wonderful, extremely loving um, and extremely powerful. And in order for us to really enjoy everything that God had prepared for, prepared for us, we needed to freely um, choose to be loving, kind, compassionate, honest. We needed to freely uh, develop along those lines, those same traits that God has in order to en enjoy everything that, that God had in store for us. And, and I asked God, couldn't you just change us and, and make us like that? Like, why do we need to go through this, this long process? And God said, yes, absolutely. God could change us and make us like that, but that we were created with free will and that free will uh, was extremely important. We weren't created to be mindless, uh, you know, to do exactly what God wanted. We were created deliberately so that we could make our own choices. And that was like a key part of our creation. It was, it was very important that God being all powerful and fully capable of doing anything to us, um, yet at the same time, God was extremely respectful uh, of us as entities and our ability and right to, to make our own choices. And so to, to forcibly change us, to make us how we needed to be would violate that core uh, concept of our creation. And I said, okay, you know, that sounds, that sounds reasonable. And um, God, God basically said, you know, are, are you willing to go through this, this difficult journey? You'll be able to get all your difficulties out of the way very quickly, and then you can enjoy your existence. Um, and I agreed. Yes, you know, I was willing to go through it. God was extremely pleased with me and, and loved me very much. 
and was um, um, certain that this was a good plan. The, the, the confidence that God had in this plan was very uh, palpable. You know, you could, you could feel that confidence and it really came across. And anyway, uh, before I, I was gonna go on this journey, God asked if I wanted to see his face. And I, I said, sure, okay. And so my attention was shifted. I had been looking at all these souls that, that I had been with and my attention was shifted around and I was facing a, a, a huge sun-like entity um, with millions and millions of souls like mixed in with this entity. It looked like the sun, except it was made up of millions of these little uh, these little souls, and each soul had their own light that they generated and contributed to the overall um, effect of this this very bright sun-like entity. And some of these souls came to the surface to to wish me well, and I could see their faces very clearly, and they were extremely extremely happy, much much happier than these uh, souls I had been with. Um, these simple souls as I started out and the the souls they understood exactly where you know what I was that I was beginning this process and they they wished they came to wish me well and they said that when I was ready that I would join them that eventually I would get through what I needed to get through and that I would come and join them and that um, somehow I would add something that would increase their happiness so they were excited that I was going to join them because there was something that I had that nobody else had. Like each soul is irreplaceable and, and individual, and each soul adds something slightly different that no other soul could replicate. And so they were excited that I would, you know, that I was starting out, and it meant that eventually I would I would come back and join them. And uh, with that, they they wished me well on my journey, and God asked if I was sure I was ready, and I I agreed. And then with that, it's like I was speeding quickly uh to some other place and we god was still like communicating with me uh you know mind to mind communication and we looked at i guess thousands and thousands of, of different places i could go these were like different planets that i could could possibly uh come to and it was up to me to choose which which planet i wanted to go to and um you know after seeing many thousands and, you know, the, the net effect of the, the life would be the same, you, you, you know, you would get the experience you need, and then you could go back to your, your spiritual home where you, where you ultimately would end up. And it wasn't really critically important which of these planets I went to, they would all accomplish the same goal of giving me the kind of experiences I need. And anyway, there was something about Earth that when I saw Earth, I was absolutely positive that this is where I want it to be. This was, this was the place for me. I was completely sure about it and I, I don't know why but there's something about it that it just felt perfect and God asked if, if I was sure you know are you sure that you you want to go to this planet and I agreed I said yes I'm sure this is this is where I want to go and with that the uh, this memory ended and I was you know I was still just floating there uh, next to my body in my neighbor's backyard kind of looking around um, I noticed th there was a couple of things that really stood out, you know, just floating around there. One was that time didn't flow the same way that we're used to, to it here on Earth as people. There was like a fundamental difference to the flow of time that that I could feel. And um, it, it was like I was in a um, 
a parallel realm to this physical realm we're in. I, I don't I don't know how to describe it, but I think a, a parallel realm is the best I could could come up with. A, a plane of existence that's not quite in this physical plane, but it's kind of like close to it. Um, anyway, I had a, a, another question um, as I floated there. I, I wanted to know how did I become Aaron Green? Like, why am I living this life as this person? And again, this spiritual memory came to me and it, it, it replayed in extreme detail, something that I'd previously uh, been through and had forgotten about as I was you know, living as Aaron Green. Anyway, uh, it started, I was with some guides and these guides had, had lived on earth before and they were helping me um, choose this upcoming life that I was gonna experience. They were uh, helping with some of the details and essentially it was up to me as a soul to, to help pick what kind of, you know, what this, what body I was going to go into. And the guides had this one body kind of picked for me that they, they thought would be a good fit. And this person was an extremely angry person. Uh, I think there was something about the childhood that was difficult and, and I would have grown into a really angry person. And that would have been like a dominant part of my life is, is just dealing with anger. And I, I completely rejected this life. I was like, no, I'm not going to live this life. I, I just totally rejected it. And the guides respected my choice. You know, it was my choice because I was going to live that, that life. And they, they completely respected it. And we, we looked at another uh, life I could live. There was these uh, parents who I think lived nearby and they were, they were going to have another child. And um, I could become one of their children. And so we started looking at, you know, what kind of children they could have. And after seeing this really angry person, I was concerned. It was like, I didn't, I didn't want to hurt anybody. Like that was really important to me. And I felt like being a girl would make it less likely for me to, to hurt other people. And so I really wanted to be a girl. And I saw that these parents could have a, a redheaded child. And it was, it was just obvious that, um, you know, somehow all this information was available to me. And it was obvious that uh, a red hair was was kind of rare. It's it's like a rare hair color in the world, and that really appealed to me. I really liked the idea of having this unusual hair color, and I wanted to be a girl because um, you know I didn't want to hurt anybody, and I felt like I was less likely to hurt people if I was a girl. So I, I wanted to be a redheaded girl, and even though these parents had those genes available to them that I could be a redheaded girl, there was something about uh, my soul and the limitations of, of those genes. Um, somehow I would have been like an awkward person. I would have had difficulty relating to other people and I, I never would have gotten married. Um, it would have, um, I, I would have been kind of like socially awkward and I, I would have trouble meeting men and, and getting married and having children. And so that was kind of a deal breaker for me because I wanted to have children. And so we started to look at the boys and I still wanted to be redheaded, but we were looking at, at the boys available to them and somehow there was even fewer options for redheaded boys uh, than there had been for redheaded girls and it just it just wasn't the right fit you know it, I, I could have been a redheaded boy from them but somehow all the other characteristics just weren't right and it just wasn't it, it wasn't going to work so we started looking at at you know brown-haired boys and these parents that i was looking at they had tons and tons of options available for brown-haired boys um, if I chose a brown-haired boy, then all kinds of other options were available about, uh, you know, other details that were that were important. And so the guides and I started looking at at, at that, and 
um, I want it to be like a really, really good looking guy, like the best looking guy on the planet, kind of good looking, you know, the kind of guy you see on the, the cover of a, a magazine or, or whatever. And that was available to these parents. And I could have made that choice, but the guides pointed out, they were like, um, you know, wh where you are spiritually, um, if you make, if you choose this really, really good looking guy, there's going to be opportunities available to you. You know, women are going to treat you differently. And essentially I would have ended up being too promiscuous and the spiritual downsides of being overly promiscuous were kind of like self-evident at that point. And I knew that, um, that that wasn't the right choice for me, that um, I didn't want to deal with the spiritual downsides associated with being too promiscuous. And so instead, uh, you know, I reduced the, <laughs> the attractiveness down to something that I considered to be uh, attractive, but nothing uh, extraordinary, you know, a, a, a decent looking guy, you know, okay. Uh, you know, I know, I know, you know, I'm almost 50, so maybe that's not the case anymore, but, but you know, as, as a younger guy, I was decent looking. Um, but anyway, that's, that's what I picked, you know, attractive, but, but not, not the best looking guy on the planet. And then, you know, we started looking at intelligence and I want it to be like the most intelligent guy on the planet, you know, like a, an Aristotle or an Albert Einstein, just really, really intelligent. And these parents had those genes available. I, I could have made that choice. But the guides help point out that I would be extremely arrogant if I was one of the smartest guys on the planet. I would be, um, I, I would look down on other people. I would be kind of a, a little bit of a jerk. Um, I would have a lot of trouble with all these, you know, being surrounded by all these dumb people, you know, compared to me. And, um, and I would also be, become an atheist. And all of that was a deal breaker for me. I, I didn't. That, that wasn't what I was looking for in life. That wasn't, you know, good for my spiritual development. And so likewise, you know, just like with looks, I backed down the intelligence to a smart person, but nothing, uh, you know, no, uh, no Einstein, nothing at that level. And when I arrived at the intelligence that I thought was good for me, we were like, okay, that, that looks good. And that's, that's what I picked. And then, you know, I, I it's safe to say I knew, everything about this body that I was getting myself into um, down to the most intimate detail. We looked at everything, even like the, the kind of clothing that that I would wear as a as a as a person. We looked at all of it and um, it, it matched what I was looking for. And the guides um, basically what, when I had picked the body, the guides had some plans for for my life, some stuff that was going to happen to me. They showed me that I was going to um, have my nose broken and that that would be difficult and and i needed to agree to that in order for it to happen and so we looked at, at what that would be like and and how difficult it would be for me and i agreed to that experience even though it would be difficult it would help me in my spiritual progression it would help me to uh, i guess evolve spiritually into the kind of uh soul that i want it to be and they showed me that i would um dislocate my shoulder and that that would be difficult. And then they showed me that I would dislocate and break my other shoulder. And that would be even more difficult. And we looked at the, uh, the medical technology and what was available. And it was obvious that the doctors would be able to, to fix this shoulder. And it, it's kind of funny that from that perspective, it seemed like earth technology was so primitive. It, it just seemed ridiculously uh, 
<laughs> kind of like we're you know we're in the stone ages type of thing anyway uh but it was obvious that that the doctors would be able to fix that that shoulder and then um they they showed me some stuff that was planned for me with with other people there was like agreements being made between different people um some really some 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 situations that as people you'd say wow that's really screwed up but some of that stuff was, was planned out um and it, it was part of a deeper plan and i needed to agree to some of those um events that were were planned out and other people they were involved in agreeing to some of these arrangements also and um it, it was like if anything was beyond a certain level of difficulty i had to agree to it in order for it to happen in my life and so I agreed to some physical problems and then some some issues in life that were going to, uh, you know, that were going to happen. They were part of a bigger plan. And after we we had all this planned out, I, I took another look at the parents. I knew, uh, you know, on, on Earth we have secrets and there's stuff about there's stuff about you I don't know and you don't know stuff about me. But but as a spirit looking at these parents, like I knew everything about them. They they didn't have anything hidden from me. I knew where they were on their spiritual journey. I knew what kind of stuff they thought about, what kind of people they were, what kind of parents they would be. I knew that I, I would have this older brother and what, what our relationship would be like. Like all of that was shown to me. And um, I did, and it all seemed acceptable to me. And, but the guides pointed out, hey, you know, if you, if you become this person, your, your father has some anger issues. He, uh, he has a bit of a temper. And we took a closer look at that. And um, basically, I felt like the positives of this father uh, outweighed the negatives of his anger problems. And um, I was, you know, I, I felt like he was still the, the, the right father for me. And so um, when we looked at the whole life, um, you know, what it would be like to, to live as this person and some of the stuff that was planned for my life, the guides asked me kind of like a final time, you know, are you sure you're willing to do this? Are you sure? You know, after all these decisions that we've made, are you sure that you'll go through with this? And I agreed that yes, I was willing to go with go through with it. And with that, it's like um, the decision was made, and um, I was able to to witness the the conception of the body. And um, you know, I don't mean like the physical act of my parents. I mean on the spiritual perspective, what it's like from a spiritual side when this new um, this new body is being formed. And it was really beautiful. It was um, a, a spiritually significant event that this new uh, body is being formed that I was going to, you know, live as. And, um, you know, I, I'm not sure how to explain it, only that it was, it was, it was beautiful and spiritually significant. Anyway, um, with that, the, uh, the memory was over and I was back to kind of floating around uh, next to my body. And I had uh, another question. I wanted to know, okay, you know, eventually souls leave this, these bodies. What what happens to them? What what's what's their experience life like when they they leave Earth? And I was shown a number of different uh, scenarios or, or situations that souls who had previously previously lived on Earth, like how they were, uh, what their existence was like after they left Earth. And first, we saw this really uh, this really horrible place. Or, or realm, I guess, is what it was. And these souls that had previously lived on Earth, they were, uh, they looked like hideous monsters and they, um, they were fighting with each other constantly. They were very angry and they just wanted to kill each other. Like that, that was the kind of people that they were. And they continued to be that, 
that kind of soul even when they they left their body and their whole existence was just a horrible battle of trying to hurt each other and they were all just miserable it was a, it was just awful uh but as they were fighting with each other one of them like stopped fighting with the others and actually tried to help one of the uh one of the other souls that was there and when this uh when the soul tried to help its neighbor it was like an angel or a being of light who had, had been up a up above just monitoring the situation as soon as that that soul tried to help someone else the the angels zoomed down and um lifted the soul out of that that group and i was told that you know when that when that soul made the decision to help somebody and stop fighting, it no longer belonged there. And that like God had a way that that soul could continue to progress. Like none of these souls were stuck there forever. And that all of them would eventually choose of their own free will to stop fighting with each other. And then um, I was shown this other place or realm where there was a lot of souls just kind of, it, it was dark and these souls were confused and they were just kind of wandering around. Um, they were unhappy, but they, they weren't miserable. They were just kind of lost and confused. And I remember there was a, a lady there that was just screaming all kinds of profanity. And the profanity that she used was way worse than, than profanity on earth. There's somehow it, uh, I, I don't even understand how this was, but it was, it was just way worse than, than the worst profanity you'd ever hear on earth. Um, but anyway, there was um, some some like higher level souls or, or being of beings of light. These were people who had previously previously lived on Earth and they were like in a much happier realm. But they came down to this lower level realm to try to help the the, the souls that were there. And the the souls that were there that were lost and confused, they were mistrustful. Like they had a, a really hard time. Um, it, it was like they they weren't trying to help anybody else. And so for them, the idea that someone else was there to help them was a foreign concept. So they had a, a really hard time accepting the help from others just because the idea of helping someone else was uh, it's like it didn't jive with their uh, the way they approached others. But anyway, one of the souls eventually agreed to accept this help. And when it agreed to accept the help, these uh, these higher level souls took it a way and and they had a way that this soul could continue to progress to move on to to happier happier realms um i saw another place that was kind of like earth that um they had had buildings and roads and they were all kind of like ugly buildings they didn't look quite right and the uh the souls there lived kind of similar to how they lived on earth but they they were unhappy and it was kind of a dark place and um, again, there was there was like higher level souls there trying to help these unhappy souls, but they, they couldn't force them to leave this place. The uh, the souls that were there had to agree to, to go with them. Um, you know, it was their choice. But but again, another uh, one of these souls I, I witnessed. I witnessed it accept the help of these higher level um, kind of like beings of light that were there to help. And uh, again, that that soul, there was like a way for it to, to continue to move upward. It wasn't stuck in that place forever. And then uh, I saw another place that was kind of like Earth, but it was uh, it had beautiful buildings. I remember uh, looking at a lamppost that was there in this building, very similar to what you would see on Earth. 
and the roads were pretty and the people they were really happy everybody was living kind of like they lived on earth but they were they were really happy and it was a beautiful place and then i saw this other even higher level um city of light i guess i would call it it was um it was like an entire city where the buildings and the the souls there they were all translucent and made of light and and all of it together um created this uh an entire city of light you know everything in the in the city you could kind of like see into it and through it and it all had a light of its own and so the whole city glowed um and and you know it was really really beautiful and the beings there the, the souls there they were really really happy extremely happy and then uh, as i'd mentioned previously the uh the souls that i i had seen with god they were ridiculously happy like there's just not even words to describe how happy they are um anyway when when i had seen when i had re-experienced seeing these places that i'd seen previously i was back to just kind of floating in my neighbor's backyard kind of wandering around aimlessly and um as i was just kind of floating around this this being of light or angel i don't know i don't know what it was but it was it was like a very high level uh soul or angel it came at me very very quickly and said uh, and communicated to me like mind-to-mind -mind communication you are not to leave your body um, it was kind of like i had done something wrong like this breathing difficulty i had it should not have triggered my soul to leave my body and um in like an instant it's like i was back in my body and i stood up and i i no longer had a breathing trouble uh, you know i could breathe fine at this point and um my brother who had been playing with with me and this other group of friends by that point in time he, by that point he had noticed that i had you know my body was just laying there for maybe about 30 seconds he was coming over to check on me to see what had happened and when i stood up he he turned around and he went back to play with the friends and I, I went home and, and tried to explain it to my my mom, but I, there's no way as a six year old I could have explained this to her. And uh, I, I basically gave up trying. And I would think about this experience daily for for maybe six months, trying to trying to understand what I had seen. I, I, I was a little bit fixated on it. I was trying to comprehend everything that had happened and all this different stuff I'd seen. And um, maybe about six months after this uh, experience happened these the these same guides that i had communicated with to, to plan out my life they they communicated with me it was like a mind-to-mind -mind communication and i knew exactly who it was there's somehow there was no confusion about who it was i knew exactly who it was and they basically communicated that uh this experience that i had gone through it was causing trouble in my life it, it was um it was kind of like messing up the plan and it was uh like like i i wasn't able to live life as life was intended because of all this information all this stuff i had seen and um essentially they wanted to to hide this experience from me and i i remember asking well don't you want people to uh to know about you know god and all this stuff it seems to me like you'd want people to know this and they said yes we do want people to to know about god but um the experience that you've had will prevent you from ever developing faith because you've like you've seen god so you can't you can't ever have faith in god because it's like you've already experienced this and and part of living life is not to have that knowledge uh some somehow like faith was really important and, and i asked them to explain it like i didn't understand what they meant and they explained it but i couldn't comprehend 
their explanation. It was too, it was too much for me. <coughs> um, so I, I told them I didn't understand, and they said, "Look, all you need to know is faith is important, and you know we want to hide these memories, but when you're older, you'll get these memories back." And so I I agreed to it, and the memories were hidden from me, and I didn't think about this experience anymore as I grew up. You know, I got older. When I was 12, a, uh, I got basically got in a fight and this kid broke my nose. And that was that was very difficult to go through. And, um, you know, I had a black eye in middle school for, for a couple of weeks and everyone in the school knew what had happened. It was a, it was a big it was a big uh, incident, a big mess. But, um, you know, I got through it, but, but I had no idea that I had agreed to go through that experience. You know, no idea at all. And then um, when I was older, I, I dislocated my shoulder. And you know it got better. It wasn't a big deal. I I, uh, I got married, had kids, and then uh, maybe 12 years ago, I broke and dislocated this shoulder, and you know had surgery, and they were able to fix it. And, and you know my shoulder is pretty good now, so I'm happy about that. Um, but I had no idea that I had agreed to any of this stuff um, before, you know, before I was even born. And um, about 12 years ago. I was reading a, a, a magazine article about a guy named Al, Eben Alexander. He's a neurosurgeon who had a near-death experience. And anyway, this, this magazine article was written about him. And I read this, this magazine article and I thought, wow, you know, this is really cool. Like I, I believed what he was saying. I, I, I believed his account of his near-death experience. And somehow me accepting his experience, it's like I, I believed in God at a, at a higher level. I, I accepted what he was saying is true. Um, I guess my, my faith was higher than it had been previously. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but somehow it triggered all these memories to come back to me. And all these memories that I had, that had been basically blocked since I was six came back to me. And, um, you know, I've spent the last 12 years or, or, or so thinking about this experience, trying to understand it and, and, and make sense of it. And now, you know, I'm just here sharing it with you. <laughs> Wow, thank you so much. That's such a detailed near-death experience. And I was you answered all of my questions, actually, so now I'm trying to think of more. Because one of my, my the things I wanted to say is how profound it is that at six years old, we're, we're smart, but we still don't have this total understanding of right. everything. And right. so to have such a detailed near-death experience, it's it show it kind of shows for example as a medium people will sometimes ask me well what if my grandfather spoke a different language will you right. still be able to understand them and i say yeah because there's no they're not they're speaking telepathically they're showing right. me symbols that i understand yeah. as a 6 year old even though your awareness of all things the world that we live in might have been a, a bit um immature the fact is that you were still able to be exposed to these very profound, uh, like this level of intelligence that you were able to comprehend even as a six-year-old because right. your soul has no age. Yeah, when I was out, outside of that six-year-old body, I was way more intelligent and aware and um, more me than I, than I am as a, a person, if that makes sense. You know, it was so much more real and... and more vivid than, than this day-to-day -day life. It's really remarkable. And, and I could comprehend way more as a soul than I ever could as a person. 
Right. And I know that you did forget for a while. And I was going to ask you that because how does a six-year-old or a 10-year-old carry that around with them? So right. it makes sense that they would have you forget. But at the same time, the fact that you can remember it so in such vivid detail, to me, is one of the most compelling arguments for near-death experiences not being a chemical reaction in your brain, but right. being an actual experience. Because, you know, I, I remember being six vaguely. I remember a lot of little things, but I'm not sure in what order. It's not very right. clear. But you have this very uh, sequential memory of everything that happened, as do many, many near-death experiencers. It's not just right. you. Did you start to remember it piecemeal, or did it flood in all at once when you finally remembered? Right. Uh, I would say about half of it was kind of like right away. And then the other half, it was more of a, a piecemeal as time went on. And I was thinking about it. It's like more and more. Uh, I remembered more and more pieces. Um, but yeah, I, I realized that most people don't have a don't remember a whole lot about their childhood. Um, but I, I think I remember my childhood better than most people. But then also this experience was really even though it happened when I was six, it was like those memories were from when I was, you know, 35. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a different memory, uh, you know, a little bit of a different mechanism or, or sequence than what most people go through. Yeah, it's a different context too, because now yeah. as an adult, you can sort of understand it better. Was your, I assume yeah. your your parents still with us yes. now? Yeah, I had that feeling because I'm a medium and I, and I was, I was like, his parents are both here. But when, you remembered all of this did you go back and talk to your mother about it and tell yes, her yes i've i've told told both my parents about it and they're uh, did she you remember know, you speaking about it when you were a kid no no not oh, at she, all oh she didn't so what no. did what was their take what did they think about it um yeah they were a little perplexed i think but they've uh i think they accept that i had this experience and, and they understand it they've uh They've certainly heard about other people having these kind of experiences, so I, I think that that helps. Um, you know, I, I'm not the only guy saying this kind of stuff. You know, lots of people have this kind of experience, um, and I think they they accept the stuff I'm saying, even though it's a little different than the the, the dogma that they've learned in, in church. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think they they accept what I'm saying. Right. And earlier, I was saying to you that I always love hearing these stories from people that are typically more scientific logical thinkers you're an engineer um right. and you have you have to have a logical analytical brain to be able to be an engineer but yeah. at the same time you mentioned that well actually i, I don't know exactly how, how you worded it but i want to know how does having had this experience and this understanding of what's really happening in the world mm -hmm. I guess affected your work or vice versa like how does it does it at all change the way that you approach uh the, the logical the the, right. the engineering part of your brain or does it all kind of tie together because i in my mind science is the same as spirituality and spirituality right. is the same as science it's not actually in um con they're not contradictory right things. no i i completely agree with you yeah the, i i don't see any problem between science and 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 uh spirituality to me they they fit together perfectly and i, I think if they don't fit together for you very well it's because you mis misunderstand science or you misunderstand god but probably you misunderstand both because because we all do um but like i think you know god 
invented this entire physical realm we 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 live in and one of the things i saw during my experience was like every aspect of this physical existence represents some kind of uh what i would call like an ugly reflection of, of a spiritual truth and that um if you could understand the spiritual truth behind all these physical uh concepts that we see around us that you can you can understand them both better um, but but I don't see any discrepancy between spiritism or spiritual spirituality and um, and science. I, I think they go together nicely. Yeah, I mean, I I actually used to be more agnostic, atheist leaning, and it was really when I watched started to watch a lot of things about the universe, um, like through the wormhole okay. and things like that, that I was like, oh, I actually became more spiritual seeing what's going on in the universe because it's also astounding yeah yeah it's and the laws of physics and mathematics it's all right. patterns very big like amazing patterns yeah so to me it it's all spirituality or, or like you say god source whatever you want to call it uh -huh. created all of that perfection even just right. the fact that i'm always so fascinated by we call it our our women's moon cycles because we we menstruate in time with moon cycles mm -hmm. and it's so fa it's like that's so fascinating <laughs> in itself yeah. how it's we're part of everything to the degree that you know we we do have these same these cycles that mimic the cycles of the moon which is really interesting right. to you yeah and like all these physical concepts or, or concepts of physics like these laws of physics i think they they're, they correspond to some spiritual law that maybe we're aware of, maybe we're not. And I mean, one that just comes to mind is, I don't know if you've heard of the wave particle duality of light. Like every every light particle, it's both a, an individual photon and it, it works as a wave at the same time. And, you know, I see it like, well, that's, that's the same as the soul. Each soul is an individual soul, but then it's also got a, a vibration, a frequency to it. And, you know, to me, there's a... A, a parallel there or the, a similarity that I think is is remarkable and and entirely planned. That's so well said. Uh, do you find ever since your experience, it sounds like you 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 just kind of lived a normal life and you might have shut down anything, but do you notice receiving messages? You had that visitation, but okay. then also do you still find yourself having, downloads or visitations or messages from the other side now because you're more sensitive and aware of their right. existence yeah uh i i don't consider consider myself a medium but i definitely it's like i receive uh communication sometimes i i, I imagine it i imagine a lot of this is from a uh, like a guardian angel type of guide or something uh like there's times where i feel like i'm being kind of pushed away from something or, or pushed towards something. Um, and then um, after my grandmother died, there was a couple things. Um, she, she died and I, I didn't even know she died, but I could like feel her presence uh, at the time. And my mom called me a couple hours later and let me know that she had passed away. But then also a couple months later, like I received a, a communication on, and I knew it was my grandmother. And basically she was, um, I had a couple options available in life and, and she was she was basically saying, hey, you can do anything you want to, but this is the better option. And it was very clear what what she was telling me I should do. 
uh, and she was respecting my my right and ability to make my own decisions. But it was clear that it was her. Like I, I don't even know how to describe it, but I, I just knew this is who uh, was contacting me. Um, and then when my father-in-law passed away, I really felt like I got a, a very simple but clear communication from him at the time. So I, I think I am a little bit more sensitive and able to hear some of this stuff. And and then I kind of kicked myself because now I recognize times when I was younger um, when now I understand that, that someone had been trying to help me, some spiritual guide or, or some person um, had been trying to help me and push me in the right direction. And I like ignored their guidance and made a mistake that, that could have been avoided if I'd been sensitive enough, sensitive, sensitive enough, excuse me, to accept what they were uh, telling me or, you know, the, the direction they were pushing me in. So I, I yeah, I, I totally think, uh, you know, we get communications like that from time to time. And, uh, you know, I admire someone like yourself, if you can, if you can communicate better than I can and get more information that way, I, I think that's terrific. Yeah, we're all mediums. We just have different levels of right. sensitivity and awareness to it. And um, I recently taught a class on how to do it and every okay. single, and then paired everybody up. Some people had some innate abilities and they'd never, but they'd never tried it before. They'd actually seen spirit. Some people had no experience and I paired them all up and every single one of them was able to do a reading for the other just by being aware of how to do it. And right. so it's a, it's a matter of faith, belief. And then of course, everyone's brain works differently. Some people are more sensitive. Yeah. So some are more logical, some are less empathic. And I think that has to do that, that kind of um, dictates how how well you can do it and, and receive and communicate mm -hmm. clearly, but, but we're all able to, but I do notice that people who've been, whose souls have left, they, that's, they remember who they are and that's why they're closer to it. Okay. Now, do you have any, oh yeah, I was say what you were going to say. Oh, I just, I, I really like that. We're, we're all mediums. You know, that, that's a really good point. We're, we're all receiving. We're all souls. Yeah. We're all souls and we're all receiving communications, whether we realize it or not. And I, I really like that. That's a good point. Yeah. The, um, I was also going to ask you, um, I forget what, what question I had, but it'll come back to me. Having had this experience, do you fear death at all now? <laughs> uh, no, yeah. no, definitely not. My, the only thing I fear is my own ability to hurt other people or make, make mistakes. You know, I realize that, um, I'm capable of doing dumb stuff or hurting other people. And I don't want to, I, I realize the spiritual downside of that. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to get angry and hurt anybody or anything, anything like that. That's the only thing I fear, but, but death, uh, you know, I got a glimpse of it and it's, um, it, it, I feel like if, if you live life remotely, like you're supposed to, and you, you just kind of try to be a decent person, like you have a, a, a nice spiritual future and, and we don't need to fear death at all. It's, it's definitely not something I fear. Right. I fear only losing other people I love, but not myself crossing over. Right. I know what my question was. When you came back into your body, you were told, hey, you're not supposed to, hey, get out of here. You're not supposed to be here. Sort right. of like it was a mistake. Do you have any insight now as to why this might have happened to you? Uh, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of reaching here, but I, I kind of think I was a little bit spiritually rebellious or, or rebellious as a spirit mm -hmm. um like maybe i uh wasn't exactly where i should be 
as a, as a spirit evolving into our our, our you know our true self or, or our higher uh, enlightenment. Um, I think that was part of it, and then and then part of it I'm kind of confused by because I feel like I caught my gu my guides off guard, uh, like they didn't they didn't realize that I was going to leave my body at that point, but I don't think I caught God off guard, so I'm kind of confused. Yeah. Uh, like it's like God knows all this stuff, but I don't think our guides necessarily have that level of knowledge, even though they they communicate with God more easily than we do. So I, I don't exactly understand how that worked um, or why it, this happened to me. But uh, yeah, it sounds like it, I like that answer that your soul was sort of rebellious. I think. Um, do you happen to remember or know if your birth was at all complicated or did was it easy and you came out fine? Uh, it was a relatively easy birth. Um, I remember one thing I, I didn't cover was I remember as a soul picking my name and, you know, and why I picked this name, which is, which is kind of interesting, but then also my birth date. I had wanted to be born on a, on a different day, but um, I was shown that my, basically my parents' insurance wouldn't kick in in time. And so I had to pick a backup day, June, June 7th, 1975. And I remember exactly why I picked the date, which is, I, I think, uh, I don't know, it's kind of amazing, but there was no complications in my birth, but like the actual birth went pretty, pretty smoothly. I ask just because a lot of people have um, like the umbilical cord wrapped around their neck or something. And so right. they sort of, their soul leaves from, for, for a bit during their birth. And then that often leads to them having out, more out of body experiences as they get older. And I actually mm -hmm. know some people that that's happened to or who are more psychic. And when they trace it back, they realize that even if it was just for a moment, they're, right. as they were being born, their soul went back for a minute. And so I, I just am right. always curious to ask people about that. And there's so much in there. It just reminds me so much of these, these movies that you see, like It's a Wonderful Life, Defending mm -hmm. Your Life, these movies made about um, essentially near-death experiences. And I'm, I always wonder about the... Um, you know, if, if the writers actually had experience with it or had just heard right. stories about it. But I love what really sort of cements it for me is that they're all so they all have this similar theme of choose our soul choosing. I love yeah. and I love that um, our soul choosing ourselves. And so it's I, I love that because I think it's life can be really difficult. And right. so much of the time we all deal with self-doubt or even self-hatred um insecurities or why am i like this or whatever it is and it is i don't think it helps when you're going through something really hideous but it right. does help me anyway to remember i chose this so <laughs> get let's get something out of it <clears throat> like why if yeah. you're frustrated just remember you're this is the challenge that you chose so now instead of fighting against it okay go with it what can we learn from it um and i know that yeah. i don't tell that to people who are going through the worst thing imaginable but still right, right. It's important to remember that, you know, you didn't want to be Fabio. Um, I don't, <laughs> Fabio's not my type, but I just, you know, um, nice. Right. I hear he's a lovely man. Uh, but, you know, it's it's like we chose to be the people that we are with, with all of our flaws and all of our problems. And there's something sort of, to me, weirdly comfortable, com comforting about that. Um, and I, and I, and I also love the fact that you saw Earth and you were like, I want to go there. Mm -hmm. um, because I've heard, too, that Earth is the most difficult place to incarnate into. And that right. only the toughest 
and the strongest say, I want to go there because I want to experience the worst stuff because right. it'll help my soul. What do you think about that and um, about earth itself? Uh, I, I definitely think earth, like, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if this is the lowest level that it, it gets or as bad as it gets for incarnating. Um, but yeah, what I saw definitely leads me to believe that earth is near the most difficult, if not the most difficult uh, type of uh, planet that a person can go to. My, my personal guess would be that if earth is like the most difficult, that there would be other uh planets in the in the universe at the same level that's that's that that's that's kind of my view on things um but yeah i i don't have any trouble believing that this is uh about as hard as it gets but yeah. at the same time that also means that this is like the most benefit a, a soul could get like you know there's a we should never forget that there's a huge huge benefit to, to going through these difficult lifetimes and, and that we we all stand to uh, to gain a lot yeah and i think that's hard for people to swallow a lot because the stuff that happens can be brutal and terrible yeah. and just every day we see something horrible but i do believe that when we get to the other side we'll understand why right. yeah uh what what god had told me was that uh yes it, it's very difficult but it's so short like from a if you think about eternity one lifetime is just a very brief you know flash and it's kind of like ripping a band-aid off you know we're, we're getting through some difficult stuff very very quickly and uh then we're gonna we're gonna be able to move on to a, a much happier form of existence yeah so when we're here it feels like a million years uh -huh. as you said time is not the same it's not linear there it's it operates differently it's yeah. not that there is no time but it just it, it's very different it's not linear. And so yeah. from what I understand, souls come here because they're like, oh, that'll just take a second from my perspective. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. oh yeah, I want to have these horrible things happen, but I'll be right back. But when we're here, we're in this dense energy of slow time and, oh, okay, now I have severe PTSD and I have to live with this for the next, you know, yeah. 50 years or whatever. But um, it's it's just the, that time is all relative and, and it's different yeah. on the other side. Yeah, one thing I left out was that uh, as a as an unintended consequence of picking this body, uh, I had terrible acne as a teenager, like really bad, you know, like the worst kid in the school. Yeah. And um, that wasn't something that I planned for. And the, and the guides pointed out to me, hey, you know, if you pick this body, you're going to have really horrible acne for a couple of years and it's going to be difficult. You, you know, you know what middle school is, is Ugh, like the worst. Yeah. And, and having the worst acne in the <clears> entire <throat> school that like that's rough. That's difficult. But as a spirit looking at two years of difficulty, it felt like nothing. Like it, it, it it's hard to, uh, like it's, it's, it was just really extreme how, how easily myself as a spirit would throw myself as a person kind of under the bus and be like, yeah, you know, two years yeah, is, right. is nothing. Um, and, and I'm going to get, I'm going to gain, uh, you know, like it helps me evolve or helps me become a better soul. And I was, it was like nothing just to accept two years of difficulty um, in order to, to progress a little further. And now you have beautiful skin, I will say, for all of those who are listening <laughs> and not and not watching. Perfection. And yeah, I was I was born with a very large birthmark on my face and okay. it sort of defined my self-esteem for the neck for the rest of it. It, it. it 
still affects me to this day, only I've done right. enough therapy where I love myself now and accept myself and can understand that I am not still the birthmark girl, which took me a very long time for my head right. to my head to follow after I had it removed. But um, the but I know that that was part that that in fact, I'm that's I'm writing a book. It's I needed for that to happen to I already was born very sensitive and empathetic. But to be the person who had no friends, who everybody thought was ugly, okay. gave me this empathy that now yeah. I'm able yeah. to offer to other people who are going, now I'm a big uh, fighter for the underdog because mm -hmm. I know what it feels like. So I may not be in that disempowered position anymore, but now I can right. help other people and let them know, hey, you're going to be okay and stand right. strong and and you're, you're beautiful because you're a soul. So I would also love to ask you... Um, in conclusion, just what is it that there's one thing, what do you want people to know? I guess um, to me, the, the most important thing is to, to one, recognize that, hey, we're, we're part of God's plan and, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to survive it when our, when our bodies die and that uh, to lead a good life, we need to, you know, love, love our neighbor and, you know, be compassionate, kind, honest, uh, helpful you know, try to help people where we can. And that if we can try to live a life like that, where we're just trying to be good people and help those around us, we will make this world a better place. And we will be setting, setting ourselves up for uh, a happier return to the, the spiritual realms. And Amen. so I, yeah, I, I would encourage anybody, you know, help other people where you can be honest, kind, compassionate, all those manifestations of love to really try to live that kind of life and, and, you will be blessing yourself and others if you do. That's beautiful, Aaron. Thank you so much, Aaron Thomas Green, for taking the time out of your day and away from your family to spend time with me and my listeners. It really means a lot to have you here. And just thank you for, um, again, reinforcing the title of the podcast that magic is real and life can be hard. But when we see why we're really here and we see what's really going on, it's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, share my experience. My pleasure. Thank you.